we get the honor and the pleasure of teaching military connected children and they serve their country alongside their service members. So that's what I ha have had the pleasure of doing. This is the O-Rise Feature Cast. Join host Michael Holtz for conversations with O-Rise experts on STEM workforce development, scientific and technical reviews, and the evaluation of radiation exposure and environmental contamination. You'll also hear from ORISE research program participants and their mentors as they talk about their experiences and how they are helping shape the future of science. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. As ever, I'm your host, Michael Holtz, from the Communications and Marketing Department at the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education. And Today, I am excited to once again be talking about one of my favorite programs with one of my favorite people and a fellow of that program, Jill Lachana and Lashonda Garrison. Welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast, where we are talking about the Albert Einstein Distinguished Educator Fellowship, which is a program I truly adore. I love this program. Um, the background for that is when I first started working for ORISE, it was one of the first programs I got to work on. I got to meet Jill and work with Jill and we became fast friends. And here we are, lo these several years later, <laughs> working together to promote this program. And I love it. So Jill and LaShonda, welcome to the ORISE FeatureCast. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Michael. It's a pleasure to be here with both of you tonight. We're so glad to have you. So, Jill, I'm going to have you start with just a little bit of background because we have talked about the AEF before, but what is the Albert Einstein Fellowship and kind of how does it work? Yeah, I would love to walk you through it, Michael, though you, you know it probably just as well as I do, but <laughs> the Department of Energy has actually been generous enough to run this program for 33 years. And so they've been very committed to, to classroom teachers, K-12 teachers. They bring classroom teachers here all across the country. For STEM teachers, this program is dedicated. And these teachers come in to Washington, D.C. for 11 months and they dedicate themselves to being in federal agencies. And right now we have agreements for partner agencies for seven different agencies and on Capitol Hill. And LaShonda is gonna tell you a little bit about her time on Capitol Hill. And what they do on Capitol Hill and on these agencies is they really affect federal policy. They put their expertise and they you know, have their classroom expertise, but they also have a wide variety of different talents that they bring. They also do all kinds of professional development, and that's where I come in. I was a former classroom teacher, um, and they do this classroom policy combined with professional development. And they do a wonderful meld of um, time during this 11 months and, you know, really dive deep into this world of Washington, D.C., and get a rich experience. And they go back to their communities. And during that time with their communities, they pour back into it. So they have this classroom experience, they have this student experience, and then they have this rich experience of policy. And it's a great opportunity that the Department of Energy provides. Awesome. And Lashana, you are one of the AEF fellows this year. Um, tell me a little bit about who you are, um, where you are an educator, and where you come from, all the things, all the, who is LaShonda Garrison? 
Wow. Okay. I was like, how much time do we have? <laughs> Who is Lashonda Garrison? Well, um, to start, I have been teaching with the Department of Defense Education Activity, also known as DODIA. You know, um, the government likes their acronyms. So, of course, yes. <laughs> and I have been teaching for over 15 years. I have a hard time with keeping track because I'm having so much fun. Um, recently, last year, I taught in Bahrain. I taught a fourth grade class and I was teaching there for three and a half years. Before that, I was in Southern Spain for 14 years. Um, part of that was teaching, but my husband's also an educator and an Air Force Reservist. So we come from this military family background. It, we get the honor and the pleasure of teaching military connected children. And they serve their country alongside their service members. So that's what I ha have had the pleasure of doing. That's amazing. Um, first <laughs> of all, thank you for your service to our service members and um, to your husband for, you know, his service as well. What, a, what an amazing um, experience in the cultures that you've had to um, have experienced has to have been amazing. Talk a little bit about that, if you don't mind. Yes. Um, honestly, it's so interesting that we've had this opportunity to explore and learn from different people and different cultures. And I think that for me, anyways, it makes me very proud to be an American and be an ambassador for America as we go out and serve in these different locations and duty stations. Um, I think it it's been interesting because you totally go into these cold, different communities, different countries, and you have to learn that our way is not always the best way and that there are multiple ways. And then how do you navigate that? How do you navigate not being able to speak the language? How do you navigate when you have to sit and not understand the culture and you have, you have like these lessons that kind of teach you? how you maneuver in these spaces. So although it's been challenging at times, it's also been such an amazing education just to live in these different countries, to be able to meet people from all over the world. Um, some of the things that I didn't share about myself that I'll share now is that I, I'm a product of this Dodia school system. Okay. So yes, I, grew up in Okinawa, Japan. I, I graduated from a Dodia school. I've been able to teach. My children are graduates of Dodia schools and, and so is my husband. So this has been our lives for so many years. And to be able to share that with the rest of whoever, you know, listens to this podcast, just to know that there's a whole different type of living experience, especially as an American citizen. And that's what the interesting part is. Like, we are American citizens who serve our country in this way so that we can continue to have this way of life. There, there are people who, who sacrifice being away from family and friends to be able to not only do what they love, but to also serve. And I think that's one of the, the beautifulest things about this role that we've been doing. And recently, my son, um, he joined the Air Force. And I was talking to him when he was at tech school and he said, mama, you would be so proud. The people, the airmen who are here 
they truly want to serve their country and you would just be so proud. And he, like, it almost like made him a little bit emotional just to, just to see how much people love this country and are willing to serve in different ways. It's beautiful. And make, yeah, make the sacrifice of, you know, being away from home and, you know, potentially, you know, putting their lives on the line. What an amazing, amazing experience. Um, and for you now, it's like this full circle, right? You're a product of the Dodea system. And now you're helping impact that system as well, right? In your role as a fellow. So talk a little bit about that. So it's interesting as a congressional fellow, and my background is coming from a, a federally run school system. And to know that the work that you can do in a senator or Congress person's office could influence the, the very system that you grew up in and that you've taught in and that your family, you know, um, that it's a part of your family's historical background is powerful. But I also don't take it lightly because as we're thinking about different things that impact the educators and the students and military connected families, it it's it's heavy, but in a good way. I feel like I have the honor and privilege because of my background to hopefully make a difference for the communities that I serve and the, the, the demographics that um, I belong to. And representation matters, right? I mean. Yes. <laughs> representation is almost everything. When you see yeah. yourself and you know, like, hey, our, our people is in this space. Represent, representation matters so much for me in, in many different ways, too. Not just my background growing up and the communities that I teach, but also just my cultural background, being biracial, um, having a mother who um, immigrated to the United States. There's so many um, things that make me me. And just to be in a space like this um, is very... It's, it's interesting because I often thought as a child and growing up, like this was not the space for me. This is not a space that I belong in. But my it, the work that happens here impacts the people that I love and care about and the work that I do. So this has to be the space that I'm in, even though it may not sometimes feel like or in my mind or that younger, younger LaShonda who thinks like that, that I would never like be in that type of space. So that's been interesting too, because representation does matter. Even if you don't feel confident all the time with being in those spaces, it's needed because all the people who are walking alongside this path with you don't have this opportunity. Right. Right. And Jill, LaShonda is like the quintessential American story, right? I mean, immigrant parents, you know, military background, um, biracial, you know, I mean, all the things, but here she is working on Capitol Hill, making a difference, right? Yeah. I mean, from a, from a program director's perspective, <laughs> where She's are you? All, all the things, right? <laughs> right. So, and LaShonda could probably tell this story much better than I can, but, um, you know, Capitol Hill fellows come to us twice. So they interview the first time, um, uh, 
with all the semifinalists. And then they come to us a second time in June and interview a second time. And so it's, it's, it's quite a process. They have that second round of interviews in which it, it, you know, they can have anywhere from, you know, five to sometimes eight interviews and they're back to back to back. So it's pretty strenuous. Um, and LaShonda would come to me after each interview and just kind of, we would play off of each other and she would ask me, what do you think? And we had a really great dialogue from the very, very beginning. Um, and LaShonda had a, a quite a selection because she interviews extremely well. And so, you know, it, it was, she had quite a selection to choose from, sure. um, but it was interesting, the great and honest dialogue that we had from the very beginning, you know, she she was really honest with me and that imposter syndrome is very real and whether or not you belong at the table is very, very real. And even, um, through our orientation and whether or not you belong at the table, um, and having those conversations, honest and real conversations and whether or not you belong at the table and your chair at the table, um, is real. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and knowing your place very much at that table, um, it's, it's a real thing. And not to get political, but things are weird, right? I mean, things are hard. Let's be real, right? So things yeah. are hard. Um, <laughs> but I know, you know, because I have friends who work in, you know, in some legislative offices, like the staff is earnest about getting the work done that needs to get done, right? Yes. Whatever, whatever we see in the media sphere and you know the staff works their butts off to make sure that stuff is happening so Lashandra, speak to that in terms of you know what are you working on what's it you know if you can whose office you're in and you know what kind of work are you doing well first i, I want to acknowledge something that you shared just a moment ago about the staff in the office i have so much hope in in as an American having this opportunity to even just just by my experience working in this office, these are some of the most hardworking, dedicated, brilliant, extremely intelligent people I've ever interacted with. And um, it, it has been such an experience to be able to see kind of like behind the curtain. And that's kind of what I wanted. I wanted to see like what really happens there, what yeah. really happens in this space. It's easy to not be close to it and see all these things that are happening and to make judgments. But we, we have people here, public servants serving our country and wanting to do good things for their communities and for their districts. I remember when we were doing the interviews and one of the questions that I would ask every office is, are you inspired by being here? Are you inspired by the leadership? Are you there? There wasn't one office truly that did not say they weren't inspired. And that says a lot. And this hearing their stories of, I wanted to give back. I want to serve my community. I want to make things better. Even if it seems like it could take a long time, just the heart that's in this work is unbelievable. Yeah. And um, I mean, I know just the relationships that I have with, you know, like Tennessee's senator, senator's office staff. I adore those people. 
because they are working, you know, they're working their tails off. As you said, they're committed to making the country a better place. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, so, Lashonda, talk about what you're doing specifically. What What's your work focused on? So there's a lot. Um, there's every day is different. And there are a lot of different things that you do that you're learning how to juggle from meeting with constituents, which is one of the, I'm trying to think how to describe it. Meeting with constituents is one of the most honoring things I think I get to do. And I think it's because I was thinking about this recently and I talked to one of my best friends about it yesterday. Um, Storytelling is a huge part of my platform as an educator and having the privilege to hear the stories of the people who walk through that door and who share their, their hurts and their heartaches and just the things that they have experienced. It, it breaks my heart on one side, but on the other side, it, I just cannot help, but to have this overwhelming sense of compassion and admiration for the work that they're doing, even because part of the team that I'm on, we deal with health. And I didn't, I didn't know that that was going to be a part of my work. And I'm thinking, okay, I'm going to go do education work. I'm only going to do education. And, and, you know, I got this, this is kind of my thing, but you know, these offices, they're doing a lot of things and they're interacting with so many different issues that you can't just always just take one path. You have to kind of go and fill in the gap where, where the gap is causing a need. So I do a lot of health and I'm grateful for that. In the beginning, I realized I had a lot of discomfort in that because I can't even pull teeth. Let's be honest. My children, when they were growing up, they would have to go to their dad. I'm like, go talk to daddy because I just don't, I can't do it. I don't like watching people fall. I don't like the idea of someone getting hurt. Like it, it does something to me. And all. <laughs> yes. I'm, it's just not my thing. Just, you know. Um, so to be able to do health and having to listen to people's stories, that is a huge part of my job. And then I get the opportunity and the privilege to communicate that story to the Senator that I I work for. And, and I just feel like, Oh my gosh, like, okay, I need to make sure I do my due diligence and I need to make sure that I fully understand what they're communicating. And I need to make sure that I understand what their asks are so that I can communicate this as effectively and as clearly and as explicitly as possible. So that's a huge part of my job, Michael, is getting the privilege to talk and sit with people and listen to their stories and communicating with them and building rapport and relationships. Another part of my job, we do a lot of writing. So we do a lot of like writing memos and different type of memos and um, hopefully eventually, you know, as I learn more, get to delve into some deeper legislation, like writing a bill. So, or two, maybe, let's see, you know, (laughs) it's a long time to get this type of stuff worked on and passed. But 
But that is a big part of my job. It's building and sustaining authentic relationships with people and opening your heart and being compassionate and and allowing these things to kind of sit with you and to labor with people to be able to labor with someone in their in the things that they're going through is a powerful experience and it can also be draining too so you I have to make sure I'm taking care of myself and that I'm always like able to try to stay in a right headspace because there's a lot of things going on in this world and people are hurting and suffering and, but they're also so resilient too. So it's, you get both sides. You get to see this, this unbelievable resilience and empowerment and also an extreme sense of compassion and empathy for people. I love um, hearing you talk about relaying stories <clears throat> from constituents to your legislator. Um, Jill knows I'm a I'm a cancer advocate, um, oh, wow. and I work in the policy space, right? So I've been to Capitol Hill many, many times um, and talked to staff members, you know, on the health staff about my cancer experience. And um, you know, people ask, you know, why do you keep doing this? They don't. They're not paying attention to you. They're not listening. And you have just proven <laughs> my point <laughs> about why I do this is because there are LaShonda Garrisons in the offices of our senators and our representatives who are listening to those stories and taking them to the lawmakers to say, this is why we need to support this legislation because you've got this constituent in your, you know, in the community that you represent who has this issue. Yeah. Well, so it's one I of the love, things I love will tell you that I tell them the first things I teach them is their elevator pitch, which is the first three minutes, there's first three minutes when you introduce yourself is you tell them your story, right? Yeah. It's the first yep. thing I teach my Capitol Hill fellows is your elevator pitch, which is your story. And right. just three minutes, because then people will then ask on the Hill, you have to be able to tell people your story about what it is that you're here for. And as a teacher, that's, you know, something that you have to have at all times. And teachers do that's this, innately, right? That's the story. But what they tell normally is the story of their student. What's really right. hard for teachers is yeah. telling the story of them, <laughs> right? right? And so yeah. LaShonda will tell you it was really hard for her to start turning a camera on herself. She would tell the story of yes. her students, her students, her students, but very difficult for all of the fellows to tell the story of them. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, most definitely. It, it, it is, it's, you know, we're in this helping profession and we never really want to make it about us. Mm -hmm. And we're, we're, you're not in the teaching profession to really elevate yourself. You know, that's not, this is not the kind of work that you're doing here. You're, you're really saying and choosing to serve these children and teach them. And you're not doing it to get famous. You're not doing it to get rich. You're not doing it. You're doing it because it's, it's, it's a heart type of work. Mm -hmm. So it is hard to, to talk about yourself and to connect in that way, but it's so essential and it's so important that Jill did teach us that and grounded us in that because 
people don't, they, when they see me, we think like people know I'm a teacher. I have these students, I do this work, but what they see is LaShonda Garrison. What they're going to connect with is LaShonda Garrison. So what is it about me that I can communicate to them? Like I'm, I'm, I'm deserving of, and I'm trying to create a space where you feel safe to share your story. So what, how can I communicate to them in that short amount of time that I can be a safe place for you? Because it's, that's not the case in many spaces that people Absolutely. feel safe sharing their stories. And it's a gift. It's a gift for the people that you're meeting, right? To make them feel like it is a safe place to share their stories. Because as you said, you know, particularly around health issues, they're sharing really hard things that they're yeah. going through. And in order for their message to get across, they have to feel like they can share, you know, the good, bad, and the ugly, you know, and I'm sure you've, the ugly crying and that, like the tears and the, you know, <laughs> of, those, of those experiences. And as you said, you know, it's, it can be hard um, yeah. to, to hear those stories on it, you know, an ongoing basis. Yes, it is. But I'm, I'm telling you, just that courage that people take to go, to go in there, mm -hmm. you know, we have to show up for that. Right. We have mm -hmm. to show up. And LaShonda is one of the five fellows that hears these stories that are on the health committee that take, they are the voice of the congressman or of the senator that take these stories back, which is, you know, once again, why our fellows are so important because they are, you know, sitting right beside these members and this policy work that they do, these stories, they carry, they carry these stories back to these members. And these are the stories that you will hear then turned into these stories that you hear, you know, said through the voice of the Senator said through the voice of the Congressman, when you yep. hear these pitches back, right. This is the policy work that is turned into other work. And so, you know, you talk about our fellowship that's, that's being placed. These are the voices of our fellows. These are these mm -hmm. teachers that, you know, I can't think of more important work that our teachers are doing. I can't think of more important people to carry these stories. You right. know, they're, they're not jaded. They really do take their work very, very seriously. Um, Most definitely. Mm -hmm. And want to make a difference. Right? Very much I mean, so. Like you want to make a difference and you're seeing that happen on a daily basis. Um, LaShonda, as we're, as we're talking, and you know, I'm wondering, um, we talked, you mentioned this briefly, but you know, in terms of what does, what does self-care look like for you when you're hearing all of these hard, you know, stories? And I know you've talked about resilience, you know, and I love resilient stories too, but when you hear hard stories, over and over and over, like your 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 heart, right? It's a little heavy. <laughs> your heart so what breaks. Is what do? Yes. What does Lashonda do to help? <laughs> Honestly, there there are a number of things. Um, I think the the first thing, one of the things that when I went back into the, the classroom, I was a mathematics, mathematics coach for seven years. I had taught in the classroom before that, and then I was a coach. And then I went back into the classroom after that when I moved to Bahrain. And 
this for me being back in the classroom, I saw things in my students that I didn't feel fully equipped with. Um, like I didn't have the tools to navigate and I started looking for some training and resources and I ended up becoming trauma-informed certified. I work with, um, I also partner with a nonprofit and do a lot of trauma-informed work. And the reason why I'm mentioning that, because I have to utilize those trauma-informed tools that I use to help um, be that first line of defense for my students, I've had to use those tools on myself. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I've had to, they became tools for me and mm-hmm. to use those tools whenever I'm sitting in some hard moments or in hard circumstances. So I'm so grateful that I had that opportunity. And I'm also grateful that I allowed the students in my classroom to, I have this phrase, like, if you let them, they will change you. And Mm -hmm. I allowed them to change me and, and kind of rethink and reframe some of the things that I were, I was doing and holding on to because I was fearful of what this, because I didn't know what that new thing, what the outcome of that new thing could be. So if it's not working for a child, I change it. If it's not working for one, it's probably not working for many. Like I need to make these shifts in my classroom. So that trauma informed resilience focused um, practices has been huge with helping me navigate the space, navigate whenever I recognize trauma, making sure that I'm able to um, go to my safe place and to learn how to sit in those spaces, my certain breathing techniques. And then the other part of this is also my faith. Um, Just being a person of faith, I I wouldn't have gotten very far at all without prayer. I pray pray all the time. (laughs) So between between the body work and my body scans and the breathing, in between all of that, there's all types of prayers going on to help me sit in that discomfort or in that pain or in that hurt. And also something else that I've learned over the years as, you know, just different things and and family dynamics change and your kids grow up and, you know, you're experiencing these changes that can be painful sometimes is time. Mm -hmm. Time does heal And sometimes I don't know how long that time will be, but just giving myself space and grace to have time has been very powerful. And walking, I think walking has been one of my biggest things that that I've been able to use to help relieve stress. So that's kind of my version of that. Um, We can get into some debate. Sometimes I think self-care can be uh, a bad word or a bad phrase. Right. As I think we often associate it with a bubble bath or, you know, something. And a glass of wine or you got, yes. you know. And I think that there's a, a lot more, there's a lot more work that has to be done with doing self-care and some of it can be very messy. And so I think right. sometimes we don't do the work because it is painful, but I've had to learn how to do the work by sitting in that 
space and sitting in that discomfort and using these tools that I know work on myself. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, what you were saying a second ago, like we can trivialize self-care to be, you know, that spa day and a glass of wine. Not that there's anything wrong there's with that. There's nothing wrong with that. I love right? a good spa day. Right? Right. <laughs> but truly, you know, to self-care, you know, when it's, when it's hard, does involve, you know, being able to sit with the difficulty and process and let it move through you, you know, and yes. you have to, you do have to do the work to, I mean, I, you know, as I said, I spend a lot of time in the cancer space. I hear a lot of painful stories, so I have to do the same thing. I understand that completely. So, um, Thank you, Michael. What do you do for self-care as you're in this space? I like um, learning about what other people do too. <laughs> really, a lot of the same thing. I I work out. Um, you know, I'll I'll go and climb on the elliptical and you know lose my mind in a book and um, just you know let my brain go or like you know like you said like I I had a conversation today that was a little challenging and I just had to shut everything off you know, and just sit and just marinate in the conversation yeah. that I had so that, you know, I could not let it go, but not let it derail the rest of my day, right? Yes. And like say, okay, I'm, I'm going to leave it here because I'm going to come back and pick this up later so I can, you know, process it deeper because, you know, it's the middle of the day and you can't, <laughs> you can't always, have, you can't yeah. have a come apart in the middle of the day all the time. Right. So definitely. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that, Michael. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Um, so uh, Joe, while we're on the topic, how's that yes. for you? <laughs> well, given that I have five children all from foster care, I also yeah, understand the trauma work. Um, yes. Yeah. Walk, walking in the woods has always been my go-to. So that is, that is my, uh, yeah, my go-to always has to be a quiet space. And um, I, I understand the trauma work whenever you're talking about that completely. Yes. There's something um, about Michelle nature. I, I'm sorry? I was going to say there's something about nature, right, Jill? Yes. I have to get grounded in, in something that is completely earthbound and sunshine and yeah just quiet and you know a good breeze like yeah even just sitting on the back porch and just yeah you know listen to the wind sometimes you know the wind blow through the trees it's like i'm just gonna do that for a few minutes you can smell something you can hear something you can see yep my kids are spiraling that's what i do with that LaShonda, I actually thought you were going to tell him about your reupholstering uh, old furniture. We can go on many ta- tangents oh. with that, I know, but I thought that's where you oh. were going to go with me. Nice. You know, picking up the trash and reupholstering. reupholstering. <laughs> What's so sad is I have been so busy these past few years that I have not been able to do any of those things, like my hobbies. <laughs> my hobbies the have trash kind of treasure things. <laughs> I By the way, it's, it's so sad. Podcast. 
I love it. Exactly. My dream is to be able to make furniture one day and along with flower arrangements, but you know, we'll get there. (laughs) (laughs) The other side of LaShonda, you didn't know that's a whole other podcast. As we said at the beginning. You never know what you're going to learn. She knows how to do, she actually, the woman of many, many talents, she actually knows how to reupholster furniture too. I love that. I do. Reuse, <laughs> reuse reduce, and recycle, right? <laughs> I dig it. Um, so, LaShonda, to get back on track, um, when, <laughs> not that this hasn't been glorious, um, when when your fellowship is over, what do you hope to take away from your time as a Capitol Hill fellow? Wow, that's there are a number of things. I think personally and professionally. I think personally that I, I at the end of this, I'm going to be just proud that I rose to this challenge. For me, like this is, and I know many fellows, they have to make sacrifices in different ways, but, you know, my, my husband and I were geographically, you know, separated, we're commuting back and forth and um, going to visit him. He's coming to visit me. And then also just different changes in life. Our, Our kids are grown up and trying to make sure that we find the time to coordinate and spend time with them. And just, and then being here in a whole new city doing a whole new different type of work at the end of this, I think I'm going to be like, wow, that was amazing. And what I'm going to take away is that something that my son reminded me the other day when I was talking to him, he said, mama, remember you always told us we're garrisons. We do hard things. And this, this is a hard thing. It's a beautiful thing, but it is a hard thing. And I'm going to be like, you know, Sean, Jazz, and my children, like, like your mama did it. She did that hard thing with your support and with your encouragement. And my husband also, like my, he's my, he's my biggest cheerleader, my biggest fan. So just to know that we were able to kind of navigate this as a family, even though we're not together in one location, like we did it. Garrisons do hard things. And I think professionally, um, just Knowing that I am capable of learning a whole new skill, a whole working in a whole new profession, like that's possible and that I can do it and that I have this learner mindset that is often hard and challenging when you're learning new things, but like I can learn these new things. I can do these things and bring it into whatever work, environment, space, passion project I end up doing, like we got this, we can do this. Mm. So I think those are just some of the broader things that I am excited about taking back wherever I'm at later. And no matter what type of challenges come my way, like we, we can do this. I love that. Um, Jill and Lashonda, we've been we've been talking for a while. Um, <laughs> and as much as much as we could have this conversation all evening long, um, is there anything that I haven't asked you that we want to make sure that we cover before we wrap things up? 
I just want to share, even though I've only been in this fellowship, I think less than three months, I think it's maybe 11 weeks now, you know, I lose track of time, um, (laughs) that this, even just in this short bit of time, has been one of the most amazing things that I have chosen to do for myself, both personally and professionally. It's the quality is excellent. The things that we're exposed to, the the spaces that we get to be in is out of this world. And I was talking to my sister and she was like, you're going to miss this when this is over. And I said, you know what? I am like, this has been such an amazing experience. And although we still have many months to go, I just have this inkling. It's going to go by so fast. So I'm just, I'm just having a blast. I'm having a blast. I'm not saying it hasn't been challenging and it hasn't had its moments because doing new things, learning new things, you have lots of highs and lows and there are a lot of emotions that go with that. But overall, like this is a spectacular experience. And I hope that other people get this opportunity to to have this and to be able to just experience the the professional learning, the like we had our professional learning at the Library of Congress. Who gets to do that? It, um, at the end of the day, I was like telling my family and friends like, oh my gosh, guess where I did my professional learning today? It was out of this world. That was the phrase I kept using. It's out of this world. So I just cannot rave enough about the opportunities and experiences that this fellowship has so far provided and so looking forward to what's to come, but also a little sad for when it ends. <laughs> I understand that. Um, LaShonda, I'm going to be in D.C. in March. Okay. Um, so I'm gonna come, I'll be on Capitol Hill, so I'll come find you. Please do. <laughs> it will be, I would be delighted to see you in okay. person, Michael. Absolutely. Right back at you. Jill, anything we haven't covered? I just want to say thank you, as always, to our, our educators, because they are such a gift. Every year I get a new crop of educators and they are such a gift to our nation. I don't think they get enough shine. I don't. They sacrifice day in and day out and they um, are just such a gift to our nation. And I am lucky enough to be the project manager of the Einstein Fellowship. And it's it's a gift. It is a gift to our company every year that that the Einstein mm-hmm. Fellowship is managed and the the Department of Energy allows me this gift. Um, but mm-hmm. that they they serve our country so well in the Einstein Fellowship. They just really do. And thank you, Lashonda, for for doing this podcast. Thank, thank you, Michael, you. for the opportunity. I appreciate. Absolutely, I really do. My pleasure. And we'll do it. So we will absolutely do this again. Um, oh, good. Please let. <laughs> One, one more one more question for both of you. Um, LaShonda Garrison, what brings you joy? Oh, gosh. What brings me joy? Family brings me joy. Awesome. Awesome. Jill? Uh, today, what has brought me joy has been um, the sweet, sweet uh, hugs this morning from my kids, as well as the fact that the candy from Halloween is given <laughs> out at my booth 
and not to my children. Yippee! Gone out of my house. Joy! It's not oh, a that's a smart right there. <laughs> this ain't my first rodeo. I pay the dental bills. Well, Joe Lashonda and Lashonda Garrison, thank you so much for spending this time with me. I have thoroughly enjoyed this conversation. And uh, <laughs> I, I can't wait to see you both in person at some point in the next few months. But until then, thank you so much for this time. Thank you, Michael. Thank you, Michael. Thank you for listening to the O-Rise Feature Cast. To learn more about the Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education, visit orise.orau.gov or find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at O-Rise Connect. If you like the O-Rise Feature Cast, give us a review wherever you listen to podcasts. The Oak Ridge Institute for Science and Education is managed by ORAU for the U.S. Department of Energy.